0: In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil & Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour, and Patrick Pister starts now.
1: Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me today is my awesome co-host, co-host, Paige Wilson. How you doing, Paige? Pretty good. How are you, Mark? We've spent a lot of time on the mic on this hs show lately. Well, if Patrick would quit slacking. Yeah. What we could do with him?
0: Uh, well... I can't say that kind of thing on mic, so I'm just going to keep it to myself.
1: Yeah, it's not an explicit rated show. Yeah, but folks, don't worry. Patrick's coming back. He's uh, busy actually moving stuff. Or something like or that. Or something like that. Something so, to that effect. So we'll keep running with Paige. We've actually got some good feedback on you, Paige. What? A couple people reach out saying we, they really like you on the hs show. Watch out, Patrick. <laughs> Watch out. And we have a guest today. Do you know who our guest is? Yes, actually. Uh, Mark Mathis, president of Clear Energy Alliance. That's How you doing, me. Mark? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Now, we have a funny story. So we ran across each other online, right? You don't live in Texas. Nope. And so we love what you're doing. Uh, You seem to take a liking to what we're doing. So you jumped on a plane. You flew here. We're in uh, WeWorks in the Galleria area. It's Tuesday. It's the night of our happy hour. So, before we do our happy hour, we were lucky enough to have you on the mic. So, I just want to thank you first thing for coming down here just to be on the show. This is awesome.
2: It worked out great for me. I was uh, wanting to get back to New Mexico, which is uh, where I grew up and spent most of my life. And, you know, Houston is uh, along the way. So, stopped off in Houston, do the it's podcast. A drive-by. Uh, yeah, a little drive by here. And uh, before heading to New Mexico and ha- take a few days off, is it my mom?
1: Yeah, and it's um, it's the energy capital of the world. So why, where else would Clear Energy Alliance be? Right.
2: Well, yeah,
1: it seems like I
2: should be <laughs> here uh, in Houston, but um, get who knows? You, maybe
1: one day. Yeah, we could get you here more often. So the audience is listening, and before we get kind of into your backstory, I just want to be careful here. And making sure that that the audience understands, so this is the health, safety, and environmental show, but part of us being HSE professionals in the oil and gas industry is our ability to tell our message, the ability for us literally to market what we're doing, whether it's internally and externally. And Mark, not me, but Mark Matthews, is an expert of that with Clear Energy Alliance. So before we get into what you're doing now, you have an interesting backstory, unlike anybody we've ever
2: had on the show. So how'd you get started in all of this? So I uh, was a television news reporter and worked in markets in New Mexico, in South Carolina, California, Nevada, as a news reporter and anchor. I did that for about 10 years. And then uh, my, I got married, and my wife also in the business. And we decided, you know, it's too much to have two people in the same business at the same time. And that, it's kind of a crazy business, right. television news. So I got out. I started started a media relations company. And I really had a good time doing that, teaching people how to understand and use media. Along the way, I wrote a book called Feeding the Media Beast. And as a result of writing that book, and uh, which worked very well with all of the training that I was doing on uh, in media, I had somebody in the oil and gas business read my book and call me up and say, hey... We're really not very good at explaining what we do to the public. Could you come down, do a little session for us, talk to us about how to be better about communicating with the public? So I went down and we, we did that. And then this organization said, uh, you know, we'd like to have you like sort of as a consultant, you know, uh, ongoing. And uh, the organization was the Independent Petroleum Association of New Mexico. And I said, sure. Uh, you know, I was doing work for a lot of different clients. And so in the process of me being able to help them, I've got to educate myself on the business.
1: So at that point you didn't know much about oil and
2: gas. I knew nothing, nothing, and, which is really amazing considering that I'm from the state of New Mexico and without the oil and natural gas business in New Mexico, New Mexico would look like old Mexico. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Like what is, okay. I mean that the industry totally c- carries the state, but people in the central part of New Mexico and Albuquerque and Santa Fe, they don't know that because production's off in the, in the Northwest and the Southeast. And so I was, this was really the breakthrough that happened was, wow. As I was getting educated on the business, the industry, the, all of the industries that make up the industry, I I was just fascinated, absolutely blown away. You know, I went and did a refinery visit, little bitty refinery in Northern New Mexico. And I just was blown away about how incredible and complex, little did I know this was nothing compared to the refineries that you have, you know, in the Gulf region. But just going on, you know, seeing a well site and and, uh, seeing what everything was about in, in this industry, I was blown away, fascinated. One thing led to another and I just wound up just being completely absorbed in the amazing side of what this industry does. And the most important part, how completely misunderstood the oil and natural gas business is, and then energy in general, how the public just has really such a small understanding of this, the vitalness of this resource, of you know, everything that we do from liquid fuels for transportation, electricity, all of that. And so it I wound up getting pulled into doing a documentary film with Ben Stein. Ben Stein, he's nice. the guy, yeah. you know, he's the Bueller Bueller guy yeah. from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, you know, the smart guy from Win Ben Stein's Money. Well, I wound up doing a, a documentary film with him. I was a producer on the film. And I was constantly talking to these guys about energy. And uh, the writer on this film, I, can, I won't forget it. We were in Rome and we were having dinner and I was you know, going off on, you know, energy again. And the writer of that film looked at me and said, you need to do a movie on oil. And I, it, weirdly enough, it hadn't really occurred to me. But I thought, wow, I'm learning a lot about documentary film. I've already learned a lot about energy. And I said, OK, when this film's over, I'm going to go raise some money and we're going to do a film on oil. And they all laughed at me and said, OK, Mark, and we'll do that film with you. Wink. Because nobody's going to raise money to make a film on oil. Right. But I did. And uh, that film was called Spoiled, small s, small p, little e and d on the end, big oil in the middle. And the whole premise of that film is that we are not addicted to oil, as George Bush famously said in 2006 at a State of the Union speech, we are spoiled by everything that oil does for us. It's so true. So that whole film was all about about oil. And, and as a, when we were shooting that film, we had the Deepwater Horizon explode. We were almost done with the film. We stopped production and it wound up costing us but really about a year. But by the time we went out, shot it, uh, we were down in Louisiana. We came back and we made that, you know, a big part of the film. It was in the front end, the middle, the back end. And it was really the integrity of the film was, look, we're not, we're going to tell you the full story about oil. And that full story means there are going to be freak accidents like what happened in Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. Uh, so we we had, had to tell that part of the story as well. But that was that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed making that film.
1: Yeah, and it's it's an excellent excellent movie. I was lucky enough you gave me access to it, and it was. Not only do I have a love affair with with oil and gas industry, which everybody knows, I have a love affair with good good work, and that was just good good quality work. I mean, it was just, everything was done well. Everything from the story that you told to the way things were edited, the way things put together, it was entertaining. I was shocked when it got to the end, which always means I got engrossed in the story. So just, just an excellent story.
2: And it's based all facts. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. It's a, I, we really enjoyed doing it. Everything from the, you know, the way that we used the music, the way that we broke the film into pieces. I mean, I had some really good shooters on that film. And so the it really high cinematic value was what the the piece of that, that that I came away, one of the pieces that I was so proud of. So then we, following that film, I made a film, another documentary film called Fractured. And that film is all about the language that we use when we talk about energy and how that language is mostly wrong, almost entirely wrong, really. And so it's really what I'm trying to do is tell a story and say, okay, well, here's a concept, an idea that that you're that you you've heard a million times, but it's, it's wrong. And and it goes back to spoiled. This is where the idea came from was I would talk to people in the oil and gas business. People had been in the business their whole lives. And I would say, are we addicted to oil? And almost all of them would say, yeah, we, yeah, I guess we are, you know, we got to deal with that. And I'd say, stop talking. You're wrong. We're not addicted. Tell me what the definition of an addiction is. It destroys lives. Anybody who's addicted to pick your addiction, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, gambling, drugs, it wrecks your life. Yeah. Is, is oil wrecking your life?
1: Not only is it not wrecking your life, you can't pull a population out of aggregating poverty without cheap, abundant, reliable energy. So it's not the opposite of an addiction. Like you said, it spoils people. It spoils us as a, as a, as a race on the planet.
2: Right. And, and spoiled the definition being like a teenage child that rebels against their parents. Oh, I know
0: all about that.
2: <laughs> so do I. Uh you're you're I mean, you're so spoiled that you're actually rebelling against the people who brought you into the world and take care of your every want and need, and yet you're somehow, you know, rebelling against them. That's what it means to be spoiled. So that's how we are with oil, that we're we're so spoiled that we don't realize that not only are we not addicted, it's not wrecking your life. It is your life.
1: Yeah, I get I get a little thrill every time I I use this comment a lot. But I'll have people out there that are negative that don't support our industry that will make comments on my social posts, and I'll go. By the way, you do realize the keyboard you just typed that comment on is made from hydrocarbons, and they never know what to say to
2: that, right? Right. They're so they have no idea that's where that came from, right? And that's that's part of what we we showed in our film, spoiled and infractured. Is just, I mean, even people who are in the in the industry to think through, I mean, there's so many things that you don't think about. Everything from the paint on the wall, you know, to you know, this this microphone, you know, muff in front of me. This is this these are all hydrocarbons. Yeah. I would um, say eighty percent of stuff in this room came from hydrocarbons. Yes. Yeah. Even and, and, and the and, lipstick I'm wearing. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. And 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 nothing would have gotten built without it. And even people who are absolutely believe that, you know, solar panels and windmills are going to run our lives here someday, won't concede, should concede, should admit those things don't exist without oil and natural gas.
1: Yep. I to ask people all the time, where do you think the composites came from made those windmill blades? <laughs> you know, where do you think's lubricating the bearings in that, you know, what, what's keeping it from rusting? What's on the wires insulated?
2: Who's going to maintain it? It's, you know, people talk about electric cars and I am like, do you do, you've seen a car fire before, right? Even whether it's even just if it's in a movie, the reason that car burns the way it does is it's mostly made of oil. Yeah. I mean, everything from the tires, the paint, the the plastics on the lights, yep. you point to anything on the car, the upholstery, it's all hydrocarbons.
1: So that's a good segue because um, we're, we're getting into the part that I really want our audience to understand is so you started off not knowing anything about the industry. You came in, learned the industry, have a passion for it. It's obvious it comes across. Did two really good documentary films, and now you're doing something a little bit different. So what is Clear Energy Alliance?
2: So what we do with Clear Energy Alliance is we make videos, short-run videos, on a wide variety of topics that are you know, fit. It's not just oil and gas. It's, you know, it's renewables. It's climate change. It's anything connected to energy. We will do a video on it generally four to four and a half minutes. And one of the reasons that we're, that I'm doing this now is I found out personally how difficult it is when you make a full length feature film, the amount of work, the amount of money, the, the difficulty in getting it created and then bringing it to the public marketing that film. It is absolutely all consuming Life draining. It's incredibly difficult, especially when you fund them the way I did, which was all independently. And today's day and age, trying to hold people's attention for even the shorter versions. I mean, we make the full length 90 minute theatrical version, but then we also at the same time make a, like a 50 minute version that you could fit into an hour long slot if you sold it. So but that's incredibly difficult. So our idea is, look, if we can get in front of people with a uh, provocative, compelling, interesting, entertaining message, and we can keep it, try to keep it down to four minutes, maybe four and a half, we can build from there. We can educate people in small bites along the way, get them engaged in it and interested, and then they have them come back for another bite when we, we release a new video.
1: Yeah. And the thing I love about your videos is, and you hit, you hit it right on the head, but this new younger workforce that's coming in is not going to sit through an, an hour and a half. No, no. They will watch a four or five minute video. Right. right. And what you're doing out there is you're doing some really cool education and you're doing it in a way that's almost fun. Like yeah. I haven't seen you shoot videos yet, but you must be
2: smiling sometimes because y'all put stuff together that's quirky and it's humorous, but it gets the point across. It is a lot of fun to do. We script them. We, uh, uh most of the video is animated. So I have an animator who's, you know, is very good at what she does. And we talk about what kind of animations we think are going to work thematically. And then, you know, then we, we put it out there. It's, it's, it's interesting sometimes, like, for example, I was telling you earlier about this video that we did called Minnesota Blows Billions. And it's all about how the state of Minnesota has wasted tens of billions of dollars, not just their dollars, but also federal tax dollars, on this industrial wind experiment. And it's basically been a huge failure. And the and most of the people in Minnesota have no idea about this, but it's a failure because they had significantly lower electricity rates than the rest of the country. And after going on this industrial wind binge, they now pay higher than the national average. They used to be like 18%, I think, uh, at one point lower than the national average for a long time, many, many years. Now they're above the national average. They talk about CO2 emissions and then and those have dropped but they've actually dropped nationally at a faster rate than the state of Minnesota, so it's like, you know, what are they getting out of all of these billions spent? But we start the video, and I say, Minnesota blows. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this uh, there's this there's this animated character who's the state of Minnesota over my shoulder. And then you can, the, the, the character has this shock look on his face. He's like, what did you just say? You're insulting Minnesota. And so then I quickly say, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. Minnesota is a beautiful place. A lot of wonderful people in Minnesota. We're talking about, they're blowing billions of dollars. And then we get into the story. I cannot tell you how many people have gone onto our YouTube channel and complained, how dare you insult Minnesota? And, you know, start calling me every name under the, in, under the sun because I'm insulting Minnesota. And it's like, oh, come on, you know, lighten up a little bit. Right. Okay? Right. We're talking right. about blowing money with windmills. But anyway, that's sort of the, the, the fun side of what we do.
1: Yeah. And so one of the things that – one of the reasons we're on the show talk about this is when you're talking about – the future and you talk about the present and you talk about marketing your ideas and whether you're doing that internally or externally, whether you're doing it for profit or you're doing it, just try to make this world a better place. It's different now. So video rules now. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point now with consumer grade technology, it's not that hard to put a decent video out there.
2: No, you just, you have, you have to have some expertise and and hopefully some talent in writing and, and, and putting things together. But yeah, you can do it much, much cheaper than you could even say five years ago. And when I look at what I see out there with a lot of, be it companies or trade groups, think tanks, they're putting out a lot of reports. And a lot of print. A lot of text on paper or, yep. or text on a screen. And it's like, who is reading this stuff? Almost no one outside of, a, of industry-specific people. That's just not going to go anywhere. So we're trying to reach... Uh, the public, we we really want to reach people in the oil and gas industry, in uh, people who are in in coal, people who are people who are doing renewables. Now, those people generally don't like our messaging, but we're just laying out. Look, folks, these are the realities, the practical and economic realities that are associated with what we have to do in order to run this machine called the modern world, and we're just going to tell it like it is, tell it as best as we see it. And we're going to back it up with good data and rationale and logic and reason. And, you know, some people don't like that. Uh, Well, tough. Yeah, yeah. agreed 100%. Girl Scout. (laughs) Exactly. The story that we're telling almost never gets told in the mainstream press. Yeah, this is
1: perfect because this next thing I want to ask you is this. And So I'm the director of public relations for the American Controlling Institute, the Houston chapter. We, as an organization, as a group, do a horrible job in communicating with the public. I don't know how many people I know that are friends of mine that that literally think the oil and gas industry is evil and destroying the planet, which is not true whatsoever. And as an industry, we need to do a much better job. But what do you feel about that? What do you think that our industry needs to do to communicate with the public in a better way? Because right now, what we're doing is not cutting it.
2: Yeah, I, I think what you're doing is really exciting. You're educating primarily people who are in your sphere. Okay. So, 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 and I, and I was told this many times with my films as I was taking them to theaters across the country and there, they were, you know, sometimes we would be in a, in a place like Houston, you know, we brought spoiled to Houston and Dallas and, and in Denver, but then we were also in places like Santa Barbara. Okay. Yeah. But, but they would say, you know, well, what are you doing here? You know, you're preaching to the choir. I say, okay, well, first off, we're not just preaching to the choir because we're in Austin too. Okay. And we're in Santa Barbara. So we're in those places where, you know, people, you you know, I I don't know. I feel like I would need security. Okay. Right. Yeah. But there's an old saying about the choir is that you got to preach to the choir. So the choir will preach. The thing that I learned with doing fractured and spoiled was there were so many people in the industry who wanted to speak on behalf of their industry, but didn't know how to, they didn't know how to collapse their argument how to contain it in a space where they could actually make that argument. And so that was what spoiled and fractured and what these videos at Clear Energy Alliance are all about is giving people the tools, the rhetorical tools where they can understand, okay, here's how I talk to my, you know, my relatives, my neighbors, other people that I see about energy. Here's how I take them. You know, when I go play golf or I go to the grocery store. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten in conversations with people at the grocery store about energy and what they think they know and what they don't know, just based on some people, something that somebody has said. Or I'm on the golf course. Oh, what do you know? The obligatory. What do you do for a living? Well, I make films and I make videos. And oh yeah, what about oh energy issues? Oh really? Yeah. Like oh well, what? You know, what's that fracking doing? No, well, that's wrecking the planet. Okay. Let me explain to you (laughs) why you're wrong in the worst way and that this thing you think is evil saved the United States economy and probably saved, I don't know, the Western world. Because if the fracking revolution had not happened, how much would the price of a barrel of oil be today? Yep.
1: I do have a funny anecdote about that, though, because that term came from geologists. Right. it sounds bad. Right. If a public relation or marketing person would have came up the term and called it hummingbirds, right, <laughs> I, I think I mean, half the public pushback against that wouldn't happen. Just the word sounds bad.
2: Right. But they, but at the time, they had no idea that no, it would of wind not. up being a tool that would be used against the industry. And we right. actually attacked that in the beginning of our film, Fractured, which is you know, frac. What 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 is it? that the way that the people who are at- constantly attacking the industry how are they u- how are they using that word well they're using it in you know essentially drawing that picture for people in their minds of the mother of all obscenities right that's what they're comparing it to and that's what is happening to the planet from their perspective because of hydraulic fracturing not understanding oh, okay How about $300, $400 barrel oil and that money's going to primarily the Middle East and and Putin in Russia, okay? Mm, And you're building up their economies while we're draining ours. What would that world look like? They, They have no clue. So, Mark, it's another one of my
1: pet peeves around this subject is that our own industry doesn't tell the truth about what they do. They're just mum. They're quiet, right? Right. And and I'm calling all of you out there, BP, Exxon, Shell, Chevron, every one of y'all, you don't go out there and tell the truth. I I unfortunately had this discussion with somebody that was very highly ranked at Chevron, and I asked her if she knew who spent more money than anybody fighting AIDS. And she said, no, I go, it's your own company. (laughs) Wow. We don't, we, as an industry, we don't tell the stories. I'm not talking about bragging. I'm not talking about honking a horn. I'm talking about telling the truth of what we do, right? How many times have you heard somebody talk about the schools they built in Nigeria? You never hear that. This whole industry does that, right? We build infrastructure. We bring prosperity to the world, but we don't talk about it. I think as an industry, the anti oil and gas activists are very vocal. I think as an industry, we need our frontline people, not the, Corporate relations person. I want the person that's an accountant working at BP to talk about what they do, right? And and so I think as an industry we need to back up and go. You know what? Let's just talk about what we do that's positive for the planet. But should we do that during the Super Bowl like API did? Yeah, don't get me started on that one, Paige. Yeah. So (laughs) so we the API spent a lot of money on a Super Bowl ad, and that Super Bowl ad doesn't get to the twenty year old that's going to college that's being fed you know, all of this stuff. And I, and I think one of the things that you're doing really well is you're reaching out in a format that these young, younger workforce will consume. And so then they hear your side of the story. And then this is what I think is cool. Cause this happens to us. Then they don't believe us, but they go to, tr- they go to the trouble of doing the research and then right. they uncover the facts. And now they've changed their own mind. And all right. we were,
2: was the impetus for that. Exactly. I, the, the way that I look at it is we're opening doors here just listen to my argument that I'm going to make about any number of energy issues. Listen to that argument. It's a compelling, provocative argument. I'm saying things in a way that you've never heard this before. Okay. Be skeptical. Okay. Guess what? That's what science is supposed to be. Skeptical. We've entered this bizarro time in which being skeptical is somehow being anti-science. That one blows me away. I could be here all day talking about that, but you've check me. Okay. Think it through, not just the data because data can be wrong. Data can be manipulated. That's one piece of the pie. Run it through your logic meter. Does this make sense? Think about history. Think about other examples that would compare, but run it through this matrix in your head to see, is this really, does this sound right? And educate yourself. So if I've opened that door, if you through your podcast have opened that door, now we're getting somewhere. So To a degree, you do preach to the choir, so the choir will preach. It needs to be armed. And unfortunately, what I'm here to tell you, and this is based on my experience in in going to hundreds of theaters with documentary films, is that the choir, half of the choir is asleep. And the congregation, like they're watching football at home. They're not in church. I mean, it's like, that's what's got to change. The industry has got to speak out for itself. All those good deeds that you're talking about on Earth Day, what are oil and gas companies doing all over the country? They're out cleaning up the garbage that is dumped by bad people everywhere. And they're just, these are people spending their own time, their own resources, going out and cleaning this stuff up. That's the kind of real world thing that's happening on Earth Day what are the the activists who are speak out against the industry what are they doing they're going to some rally at a plaza and and screaming about the industry and then getting in their you know petroleum built vehicle and you know <laughs> going home
1: and then tweeting something on their cell phones
2: that came from hydrocarbon exactly <laughs> exactly uh, so if you're listening and you're
1: still trying to wonder why how this is tying in when you think about the negative public press that we get as an industry around things like the environment and safety and health we need to change the way we're telling the story and mark is doing a really great job with clean energy aligned and changing the way we tell that story i think Paige, you and i and the rest of the oggn also are doing a, a good job in telling the story in a different way well i hope so yeah and so i you know I just once again i just think it's awesome what you're doing we're we're Starting to head down the winding of the show, this is the point where we typically do the Red Wing safety tip of the week. Mark, do you have a Red Wing safety tip for our audience?
2: A Red Wing safety tip. I would tell you that driving around on these crazy streets, I mean, the worst possible thing that people do constant, they've heard it a million times. So just, you know, on the phone, holy cow, I cannot, people are driving while they're reading. It's just like, what is happening? Wake up, people. Paige and I had that happen on the way here. Literally had that happen on the way here. Somebody pulled out right in front of phone. Oh, I'm so
0: scared. I
2: I have, I am, I'm a big walker. I walk a lot just to try to, you know, stay in shape. And and I'm telling you the number of times, I've got my head on a swivel every time I'm in a crosswalk. And people who are turning a corner in their car and they're looking while they're taking a turn at their phone. Oh my
1: God. Yeah, great tip. People, stop it quit texting and talking and facebooking and everything else while you're driving in the state of texas it is illegal to even have your phone in your hand while driving should be that way everywhere great safety tip mark i mean really great safety tip speaking of red wing if you'd like to win one of these awesome bags mark see that bag yeah, that's a Red Wing offshore bag. It nice. is a cult item. The only way you can get one is to go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put your information there. We give away one lucky winner a week. And we actually have one of our future hosts sitting here shadowing us, Hyro. Hyro, you have a ba- one of those bags too. Now, of course, no can hear you answer, but Here, come get it on my mic. <laughs> oh, and kick the table, please. <laughs>
0: Sorry about that. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, I did get one of those becoming a new part of this team. I'm pretty excited, and I'm um, I'm ready to get started.
1: Yeah, we're, we can't wait. We can't tell you what Hyra shows could be about, but it's going to be really cool. So, we talked about a lot of stuff here. We talked about how your ability as a company, as an organization, to get your message out there is important, but the way you deliver that message to this new, younger workforce is different. And it's, I think it's actually better because can, they can consume so much more information, so much quicker in video than you can almost any other way. Right. You're doing a great job with that. Thank you. If people wanted to find out more about what you're doing,
2: where should they go? So you can go to our website. ClearEnergyAlliance.com, clear with an R, ClearEnergyAlliance.com, and then we also have a, a YouTube channel, and so you can go to our uh, YouTube channel at Clear Energy Alliance. And uh, one of the things that we're trying to do right now is build subscribers. We've only been, you know, doing, uh, put our, started putting our videos out publicly since uh, like about the end of January. So we're just kind of getting rolling on this thing, and we need we need a lot of subscribers. We and so if you're a YouTuber, if you're somebody who would subscribe to that sort of thing. subscribe to our, our channel. It really, it helps us to get our message out. And the more of those subscribers that we, that we build, we, you hit a point with YouTube where you can do a lot more with what you do with your channel. You can reach a lot more based on your subscription base and you can monetize. So that's something that people can do, but we, we love people to watch our videos, whether they're watching them on YouTube or on our, on our website. And share those videos. Now we all, of course, we also like everybody else, you know, we, you know, we tweet and we have Instagram and, and Facebook and our, our Twitter is at uh, clear energy and everything else is at clear energy Alliance.
1: Yeah. And we'll put links and all that in the show notes. So you don't have to be writing stuff down before we get out of here. I got one final question for you. And this is something that, that I've tried to figure out and I can't get to the bottom of it. Why do the anti oil and gas activists get so much public attention?
2: Well, I think the, we have hit a time in our society, in the evolution of our society where we have become more tribal and you identify with a certain way of thinking. And so you have the, the, the mainstream press that is fully on board with an anti oil, gas, coal mindset. And some of those people are driving agendas. So the public, when you think about the amount of times that the public has heard negative associations with oil, natural gas, coal that are untrue and they don't have any appreciation for the world that you're living in, not just the way, the fact that it was built and it's here and now you're now enjoying it. but this continues. All of transportation is oil, regardless of whether it's a, a train that's you know electric. The train's still, you know, constructed. It's got a lot of oil in it. You've got, got to repair that thing all the time. Uh, you know, electric cars, they're mostly oil. I mean, oil runs the world. It's going to run the world through our lifetimes and, and probably well beyond. It, they don't have that appreciation. and they But they hear it constantly from the activists who are speaking a message that the media is in compliance with. And the public gets bombarded with that. The kinds of messages that we deliver at Clear Energy Alliance are so outside what you would get on the mainstream that we, if you go to our YouTube channel and start reading the comments, you will be blown away at the vitriol that is directed toward me for simply explaining things in a way that is fun and interesting, but also highly, this is just the facts folks. Okay. And we can debate about some of the facts, but look, I'm I'm telling you in four minutes, this is what is wrong with computer modeling being called science. And it's not. And I run people through that argument. They lose their minds because I'm piercing the tribal identity. Well, okay, deal with it because There's very, there just aren't enough, nowhere near. I mean, you just got to do a gigantic number of people who are providing a completely different message, message that about energy in general, and especially oil and gas that are hugely flawed, wrong. And there's no, there's very little challenge to that. Somebody's got to speak out and say, wait a minute, folks here, you're jeopardizing everything with this stuff. Let's talk what's about what's real when it comes to energy.
1: Yeah, and Mark, I love that you're that alternate side. You know, Clear Energy Alliance is out there telling the story based upon facts of the positive part of oil and gas energy. Oil and gas global networks doing the same thing. I guarantee you, you and I are going to be doing much more work together. We need to kind of wind this thing down. So you heard me mention the happy hour earlier. We're looking for sponsors. Page. I think we're booked up for the whole year already. Yeah, this year we are. According to Julie, yeah, I'll need to check with her again, but I'm pretty sure we are. Yeah. So if you want to get on for 2019, reach out to Julie. Put a link in the show notes. It's not much money. It's 450 bucks. You get in front of several hundred young oil and gas business leaders. Get your message out there in a way that's not done in any other fashion that we know of. And we're actually going to grow the networking part of the the happy hour. That's
0: what we're hoping to do.
1: Yeah. If you listen to the show, go to the website, give us your email address. We won't spam it's where you'll find out about new stuff first if you want to find out about new stuff second go to the linkedin group oil and gas global network on linkedin sign up there and that's where we update everybody we talked about events uh, we talked about sponsors if you want to know about the events in the future i put out a free newsletter i'll put a link in the show notes you can sign up once a month we put it in your inbox no spam ever and we have all the oil and gas events in one place then if you like this interview with mark stay tuned because on Paige wilson's show Gas industry leaders, yep. You can have another interview with Mark and you can go do a deeper dive into his backstory, yep. Yeah, so if you're listening here and you haven't listened to Paige's show yet, go. We'll put a link in this show to Paige's show. Well, if Patrick doesn't show up next time, it's gonna be my show, too. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> that, that we, we can I'm, just, I'm just letting everybody know, yeah. So, <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. I love what you're doing. We want to work with you more. Our audience will hear more about what you're doing in future stuff. We don't know what that's gonna look like yet, we'll figure it out. Thank you for coming up here. We love having you on.
2: I had a great time. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Paige, once again, thanks for filling in for Patrick. That was awesome.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, so folks. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for
0: the great. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at LeanOilField.com. From Houston, to London, to Dubai, and beyond.
1: So Mark, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen in the field?
2: All right, so I'm going to give you from the field of making documentary films. I had these jokesters who were on this project with me and I was brought onto the project a little bit late. They were already shooting, but they brought me along and I set up some interviews and one thing turned into another. And I, and I found myself in, uh, in Rome and we were about, we were doing some shooting. We were having lunch and I had one of the producers was telling me, Hey, there's this thing we want to try with you where you put on a blue spandex suit and the only thing that you see is your eyes. I love uh, the story already. <laughs> <laughs> and because Ben Stein is, you know, we can't get him. He's a busy guy. And so we, we might have you, you know, do some things and then we'll, with you'll be amazed what they can do with these suits now where it looks like, you know, Ben Stein. And, you know, he's going to be kind of, you know, you got to bend over a little bit. You're taller than him and, you know, kind of walk like this. And so... I was so excited about being on the project. I thought, ah, I, I really, that's makes me uncomfortable because it's supposed to be a documentary film. Why are you making stuff up? I don't like that. But then I thought, uh, and then they bribed me and I was like, and that was, it was one of the, I, I'm actually, I'm telling a story I'm ashamed of because I was <laughs> bought and then I was, I was made to pay for this, but Hey, look, we're going to pay you a couple of grand, to put on the suit, walk around and we're just going to test it. And I thought, okay, that's not going to work, but it'd be an easy way for me to pocket a couple of grand and nothing will ever come of it. So I go in the bathroom, I put this spandex suit on, and that's all I have on. (laughs) And I go out and they say, okay, now do some interviews with some people because, and then we're going to go out and walk around a little bit. So I'm wearing this full spandex suit and people are looking at me like, who is this goofball? So we go around the corner. We're going by the police station. And we're right outside of, I guess it's called St. Paul's. It's a big cathedral area. And these cop cars come up. So come screeching up and grab me and a couple of the other guys like, what are you guys doing? They're talking Italian to me. And they're screaming and yelling at me. And it is like 105. Okay. It's July. We're like, sweating bullets in this thing. I'm going, I have no idea what's going on here. And then another car pulls up and these guys have suits on. They're like Italian secret police. Well, they speak better English. These guys speak to, spoke a little bit and they say, who are you and what are you doing? Give us your passports. Hand over the passports. They do some checking. And then uh, this guy comes back and, and says, uh, what were you doing in the Congo? And I said, what? what? I, I've never been to Africa. Okay, now you're in the Congo, and you're a disruptor. Uh, you're, I, I and then the guy was like, I don't want to call you a terrorist, but you're, you're a bad guy. I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have never been to Africa. And he's like, okay, well, and then they do some more checking. And they leave us standing out in this 105 degree heat. And I'm just, I, 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 I'm pleading with the cops. Can we at least stand in the shade? And they're like, shut up. Just stand there and shut up. They're really upset with me. Turn, Come to find out, okay, there was some guy in the Congo apparently with the same name, but there was a guy who ran a TV show who would dress up in a red suit like the one I was wearing, and they thought I was mocking the Catholic church.
1: <laughs> in Rome, of all places.
2: <laughs> Oh and it was, gosh. it was just that it, we, I didn't even know that the, you know, the cathedral was right there. We just happened to walk past it. They thought I was mocking the church. They were really unhappy with me. I guess so. And the other guys, by the way, in the crew, they all jumped in cars and took off. <laughs> it was just me and one of the, one of the other producers, I <laughs> know uh, the writer of the film. And you got some, I thought I was going to an Italian jail and thankfully they didn't take me to jail. Great story.